And here we go, Raider Nation, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio and the first time in what seems like forever, which, if I'm being greedy, which I am, it's only been a couple days, but man, not having a show on Friday and having to go all weekend long and not having any Raider Nation Radio 920 until today, seems like forever, but we're back at it for the next three hours. Excited to be with you till 5 o'clock. It's your boy Q. Got my man Jared still holding it down for DeMond as he's on vacation. I almost didn't know how to say DeMond's on vacation because DeMond doesn't go on vacation, but uh, he's getting a little bit of R&R, a little rest and relaxation after he called the Vegas Vipers game with Harry Ruiz over the weekend, a game with the Vegas Vipers won. So uh, DeMond is out this week, but Jared is in, Lindsay's in. We'll have a combination of the both, so should be fun. And of course, we have a lot of great guests coming up on the show today and uh, coming off the heel of JT the Brick Show and the morning tailgate just a little side note a little asterisk something to put into your your notes for programming notes they'll be off again tomorrow they were off today as Clay is off Vinny and Heidi they're all getting a little R&R and it's this time of year right I mean you look at the calendar and it's just into April of course the draft's coming up at the end of the month but everyone starts getting their vacations in getting a couple days away just because the football season's a very long grind I mean there's no other way to describe the football season but a grind it goes uh it, it, it never ends the weekends don't matter. <laughs> it just it just kind of is what it is, and you soak it up, and you, you love it. We love what we do each and every day, but at some point, everyone wants to get a little bit of a break, and I'll get my break probably coming up at the end of June. Looking forward to that, but uh, right now, uh, Clay and Heidi and Vinny are off for the next couple of days, so they'll be back in studio on Wednesday, but we'll have really good stuff, like a lot of recap from what we did at the owners' meetings in Phoenix and, of course, the Combine and just a whole lot of draft talk plus uh, bits and pieces from this show coming up tomorrow. So just a little little bit of a note, just a little programming note to let you know about the morning tailgate, but they'll be back live and local on Wednesday starting at 7 a.m. But the show we got lined up for you today, some really good guests. Excited to talk to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas coming up at 2.30. And Ed is not really covering the Raiders right now. He's actually in Houston covering the Final Four and his San Diego State Aztecs. And he's not going to ever go out there and start cheering for a team or a program, even though that's the school that he went to. That's his alma mater. Uh, he's there covering San Diego State as they take on UConn tonight in the national championship game, which should be a lot of fun. I think UConn's going to win the game. I just, I just something about UConn when they get to this stage of the game, it's just pretty hard to beat them. But uh, we'll talk to Ed Graney, all things San Diego State and UConn. And then we'll also dip into the Raiders and what he thinks that they should do uh, about a month left uh, till the NFL draft. And it's less than a month, actually. It's pretty exciting. Less than a month away from the NFL draft will be in Kansas City for the start of that on the 27th. So Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ will join us at 2.30. Then... As I said, we're going to really deep dive into the draft. And we've been doing a really good job, I think, covering the draft and covering all the players that the Raiders could be looking at uh, coming up in the round one and also, you know, further on, not just round one, but throughout the course of the draft at uh, 3 o'clock. And we had this guest last year. He's a really good guy. Uh, Nathan Cooper from SIS uh, Sports Information Solutions. Information Solutions is going to join us. And he kind of does the analytic side of things. And I've never been a big analytic guy. But they have a really good website that kind of breaks down all these draft picks. And like I said, we talked to him last year before the draft. So we'll talk to him again uh, coming up at 3 and just breaking down everything that they have going on as far as SIS and their website and how they grade these different players. And I'll tell you right now, one of the first questions I have to ask them about, of course, now that the Raiders are in a position to go grab a quarterback, they don't have Will Levis even in their like top like 50 or 60 or 75 players. It's really, it's really interesting because we all look at, and I know I do, I look at the top four as CJ, Bryce, uh, uh, Richardson, and then Will Levis. And not necessarily in that order. It's just those are the top four. But when I was looking through their website and I was starting to do a little bit of research on the quarterbacks that they had, they had every single quarterback, every one of them, that's not named Will Levis. They had him uh, lined up there and, and even going to, like, quarterback number 11. 
and Will Levis wasn't one of them. So I don't know if that was something that that was an overlook, and I don't think it was. I just wonder where that came from. I'm not the big Will Levis fan. I'm not. I mean, I think anyone who's listened to the show knows that already, but I don't think he's quarterback 12, (laughs) right? I would think that he's better than that. So I'm kind of – that's one of the first questions that I have for Nate when he joins the show is – How did Will end up so low on the list to the point where he's not even on the list? And again, I mean, I went over the website so many times this morning because I thought maybe I'm just maybe I'm just missing him. But no, I didn't. And then I even went to all positions and went quarterback. It's Bryce Young one, C.J. Stroud two. I'm going through it right now. Anthony Richardson three, Hendon Hooker four, Jake Hayner five, Tanner McKee six, Jaron Hall comes in seven, Stetson Bennett, eight, Clayton Toon, nine, Aiden O'Connell, 10, and Max Duggan, 11. Nowhere in there is Will Levis. So, I mean, literally, Jared, I heard you say, whoa. I had to look over that multiple times to make sure I wasn't tripping. Stetson Bennett, that is way too high for Stetson Bennett. Look, he's uh He's ranked number eight as far as quarterbacks go, and look, he was he's a, he's a multiple-time uh, national champion, so there's that. So, I don't know. And that's why we'll have uh, Nathan Cooper on from SIS. That's uh, Sports Info Solutions. He'll join us at 3 o'clock. And that'll be one of the first questions because I'm telling you right now, I mean, like I said, I don't have to be a fan of the, of the player to know that he's better than, I always think, the first 11 quarterbacks. There's got to be. I mean, he's got he's to fall in range somewhere. So maybe it's because he had an injury-filled season this last year. Or maybe he just, they just kind of put him as, like, N.A., didn't qualify for this. I don't know. But it's one of the biggest questions I have. So he'll join us at 3 o'clock. That's Nathan Cooper from SIS uh, to talk all things NFL draft. And each and every Monday at 4 o'clock, normally we have Coach Scott Spinelli, former uh, coach uh, in NCAA, to talk all all things uh, March Madness. He'll join us at 345. Had to push him up just a little bit as the start time for the game is 620 Pacific time. So uh, Coach Scott Spinelli, former uh, NCAA coach, will join us at 345 to talk about UConn and uh, and San Diego State, who he thinks is going to cut down the nets tonight. We Saw the women's national championship game. Really a fun game, I thought. Very entertaining between Iowa and uh, LSU. Both teams being in the national championship game for the first time in program history. And Coach Kim Mulkey and LSU come away with the victory. And I'm not going to lie to you, off top, and just like I told you earlier today, Jared, I was pulling for Coach Mulkey. I don't care. (laughs) A lot of people don't like her. That's fine. But the person she was at Baylor is the same person she is today. And it's so funny seeing all the folks there at Baylor talking so much mess about her. But when she was winning championships there, she was she was all right by them. But now she's gone. It's like, oh, you know, she's arrogant. Oh, she's this. Oh, she's that. Look, she's always been that. Make no mistake about it. The person that she is is the person she is. But you were rooting for her at one time. Don't not root for her now just because your AD decided to let her walk. You used to tweet out memes of her outfits like, oh, this is such a mood. Right. And now you're tweeting about like, Whoa, uh, I bet you didn't even pick this out. Brother, let me tell you this. The Farrell Center, which is their arena there in Waco, used to be packed. when Before the men were winning anything, I mean, Kansas would come to town and the Farrell Center would be still empty. They wouldn't go out there and support the men at all because the men weren't worth the salt. They were trying to fire Scott Drew for the longest. Let, let me tell it because I know the truth. I was there. I lived it. They were trying to fire Scott Drew. He can't get him over the top. He's only so good as he's all right, but he can't develop. I mean, they sold every story to the point where they even said, maybe Coach Mulkey should, uh, she should coach up the men. She was one of those. Like they do Don Staley now. Oh, Don Staley needs to go coach the men. That's what they were saying about Coach Mulkey. And then the minute that Coach Drew wins a championship, Matt Rose, the AD, was like, well, you know, we really don't need coach anymore because now Coach Drew's starting to win championships. So when she came with the same song and dance, and look, it's annoying. People get tired of it. She came with the same song and dance. Hey, this program wants to hire me. What are you going to do about it? Well, he said, you should probably take that job. She and did. She, and she said, okay. 
And she took the job, and two years later she wins a championship, and Baylor ain't nowhere to be seen. Just saying. And, and that's the truth. Like, there's some, there's some reports out there, oh, she got fired by the program, she did this, they kicked her to the curb. No, it wasn't like that. It was just Mac Rhodes saw an opportunity to get rid of someone who's making a whole lot of money. And, look, women's basketball, as much as I enjoy watching it, it it's not profitable. They don't make money off of it. So he said, you know what, we can cut this big expense. Coach Drew's putting the banners up in the Farrell Center now, so it's all good. Well, it came back to bite him in the butt. And LSU, was, were they petty by putting up billboards around town? Absolutely. But you know what? Let it be. Petty, petty is what it is, right? Baylor was petty when they put RG3 billboards up in Austin. You know what school's in Austin? UT. <laughs> right? So, I mean, look, it, it, it goes around, comes around. It's all good. So I was definitely rooting for Coach Mulkey, uh, hoping that they won that game, and uh, they did. And Alexis Morris is a great comeback story. She's a young lady that got kicked out of Baylor for multiple reasons. And, uh, yeah, she comes around, and it's funny, the year she gets kicked out of Baylor, they win a championship, and now all of a sudden it comes full circle, and she wins a championship at LSU. So hopefully she's gotten her life together and getting it straight, but at least she is able to win that national championship and understand who she is. I've always been a big fan of Alexis Morris because she can go. I promise you, the day she stepped on campus at Baylor as a freshman, I asked Coach Mulkey, I said, hey, that, that Morris girl, she's going to go. And she said, we're going to go as Alexis Morris goes. And then Alexis Morris had to go. <laughs> so there was that. But, uh, yeah, so we'll talk all things uh, the men's national championship side of things with Coach Scott Spinelli coming up at 345. Then at 4 o'clock, I'm very excited by a conversation we'll have with Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. Uh, covers college football like a glove. But he put out his latest mock draft. And the reason he puts this out is he goes and he talks to a bunch of college coaches. He talks about uh, to a bunch of NFL scouts. And he really doesn't put out multiple mock drafts. He pulls out a draft based off of what he's hearing from college coaches from the guys that are coaching these guys up, and then on top of that, from NFL scouts. And then he'll put together his, his draft. And I think this is his third one he's put out. And, again, he only puts out one a year. He's not a guy that's putting out, like John McClain, who will join us tomorrow on the show. He'll put out, you know, one every week. And then he'll have the grand finale, his official one, the week of the draft. But Bruce Feldman, I mean, again, and he's been covering college football for the longest. So he knows – you know, the difference between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. He knows C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. He knows these defensive players. He knows a lot, of these, a lot of these guys just from covering them on the national scene. And then on top of that, talking to college coaches. So we'll talk to Bruce Feldman coming up at 4 o'clock. We'll also hear from Matt Miller and Jordan Reed. They, uh, they had a pre-draft conference call or a little, uh, yeah, a little conference call they had on Friday. One of the many things I did since I didn't have a show to do. And it was about an hour long. It was great. It was really like an intimate setting because when Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper Jr., my guys, they put out uh, their pre-draft conference call. It's like 200 people on it. This one only had about 25 to 30. So it was really basically like by invite only. And I got the invite, so I was on it. And it was, like I said, about an hour long. Some really detailed answers by both Matt Miller and Jordan Reed, ESPN draft analysts. So you'll hear some sound bites. Matter of fact, we'll have some sound bites coming up in the opening drive as well uh, from those guys. But you'll hear them scattershot throughout the course of the show as well. So we got a big-time show lined up for you. Plus, of course, throughout the course of the show, we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. And the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword r The show is never the the same without you, so we definitely want to hear from you again. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r With all that being said, Ed Graney, Nathan Cooper, Coach Scott Spinelli, and Bruce Feldman all will join the show. Let's jump into the opening drive. 
the opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So I want to throw the question out there, the show topic. I like to come to the show each and every day with at least one topic. I'm going to throw that out there, and then I want you to hear a couple sound bites, a couple quick sound bites from both Matt Miller and Jordan Reed from ESPN talking all things NFL draft. So the question I'm going to ask, and it's April 3rd as we look at the calendar. We know the draft gets started April 27th. Have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? I didn't say the number seven overall pick because there's no guarantee they're going to be there at number seven. They're going to be picking at number seven. There's reports out there they're trying to trade up to number three. Whether you choose to believe those or not, there's reports that they might try to trade back. We know that the draft is very fluid. Uh, things change quick, fast, in a hurry once guys, when, once teams get on the clock. So who knows when they're actually going to pick their slated to pick at number seven, but that doesn't mean that's where they're going to pick. So the question I have, have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? And then the second part of it is, what positions do you feel they have to come out of the draft with? Like, where do they need to address for sure? They cannot leave the draft without these players addressed. And I'm not saying that they're going to work out and that they're going to be the best players and they're going to make that team that much better, but at least they addressed these positions. So for me, when it comes to the positions they have to come out with, I think A, Shut down corner. And look, there's, this is no order. There is no order here. So I don't want anyone to get mad and be like, oh, Q, you always talk about cornerbacks. No, look, they need dudes. <laughs> I've said that so many times. They need some studs. They don't need Jags, just another guy. They need dudes. So in no particular order, they need a shut down corner. They need, and I put this in like a little slash, defensive tackle or edge help, right? Depending on how you look at Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr., they, you think those guys could help out the interior. One of those two for sure they need to do. Right, going to get a, either an edge guy or a defensive tackle, and then see potential quarterback of the future. Again, not no particular order. So if they go and get the potential quarterback of the future with their first pick, so be it. You got to address the defensive line. You got to address the cornerback position. Those are must, in my opinion. If they don't come out of the draft with those areas at least attempted to address, I feel like they failed the draft, especially with twelve draft picks. Where are you at, Jared? Absolutely. Like you look at this division, and every year you go okay, what do we have to do in order to win this division? We have to shut down Justin Herbert. We have to shut down Patrick Mahomes. Raiders did a pretty decent job of actually shutting down Russell Wilson. but Russell Wilson for, probably shut himself down, too. Yeah, a little bit. He but helps. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that should be your number one priority is, okay, they keep losing weapons, but they still have the main weapon. We got to get it where that main weapon has to do 100% of the work. Right. And that's, I think you're 100% on because right now Max is a lonely, he's, he's, lonely he, man on that defense. Look, I said they need dudes. They have a dude. They have a dude. His name is Max Crosby. Max Crosby needs to have company, right? It needs to be, it, me, it needs to be Max and the crew. And the crew have got to really step up and, and play a major role. And that helps on the defensive line and that helps with the cornerback room. I think that they've addressed some corners with some guys that were going to go out there and compete and, and, you know, they have something to prove. But they need to have someone that they believe could be that solid dude. Like when they drafted Charles Woodson, they drafted him because they said, this is going to be our guy. Now, I know that was a long, that was many, many moons ago. I was playing in the Hoop It Up competition that day, as a matter of fact. That's how old that was. And I felt so confident. I used to watch every single draft on Saturday morning, right? Get up, get a, 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 a big old case or two of cold beverages, hang out with the buddies and watch it. This weekend, it was Hoop It Up weekend. And I felt confident in missing it because I knew the Raiders were going to draft Charles Woodson at four. It's like they need a corner. They had Lionel Washington. And, uh, and who else? Albert Lewis, right? Good, very good players. Don't get me wrong, but very old players. <laughs> no, it was Terry. No, it wasn't Lionel Washington. It's Terry McDaniel 
and Albert Lewis. Those are the two cornerbacks that they have. But again, very old. So they needed some real deal shutdown ability. And so when they drafted Charles Woodson, that's what they drafted him for. And I know somebody will tell me, Hugh, they've, they've tried to draft so many corners in the hit. I get it. I get it. But they failed. Right? DJ Hayden, failure. Garyon Conley, failure. Right? Carl Joseph in the safety position, failure. I mean, it's just, it just is what Damon Arnett, failure. Right? I mean, there's just time after time. It, just because you fail, Obi Mellon Fonwu, a.k.a. Bigfoot, failure. I get it. Right? Why do you call him Bigfoot, Q? Because you hear the stories about how great he is, but you never see it. That's Bigfoot. You hear how big and massive and how awesome he is, right? But who's actually seen him besides Jack Links? Like, who else has seen Bigfoot? No, it's the it's the Brian Edwards. We keep getting practice reports that oh he's gonna snatch the ball out the air, and it's just like I don't I don't win. Right. When's that gonna happen? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, there's there's been many swings and many misses when it comes to the cornerback position, but that doesn't mean you you stop addressing it. And again, you don't have to address it with the first pick. You just have to get it addressed, and you have to get it with a guy that you believe not only is going to be a player, but be the player. Even Trayvon Mullen. I was pretty hyped about Trayvon Mullen because I thought he had a little something-something. And it looked like he was on a good trajectory of this is going to be a good player. And then injuries kicked in, and it seemed like to me he never really really bounced back. He had – Trayvon Mullen, to me, reminds me of Philip Buchanan. And a lot of people would be like, Philip Buchanan? Yeah, if you're a new buddy, you probably don't even know who Philip Buchanan is. But Philip Buchanan is the guy that the Raiders ultimately ended up getting uh, through the draft by way of trade, and he was part of the Gruden trade, right? So he, he ends up becoming a, a, a pretty good defensive back out of Miami. Good little player. And, man, I mean, he, he was one of those guys I remember riding down the road with my buddies. I'm like, man, this Philip Buchanan, dude, this guy could play. He's like, yeah, I like him a lot. And then he broke his wrist. I remember it was an interception in the Coliseum that turned into not being an interception because it, when they reviewed it, it, uh, it, he was out of bounds or something like that, whatever the case was, but he broke his wrist. He was never the same player after that. Never. And I feel like that that's what Trayvon Mullen happened with him. He was a good little player, looked like he had a little something-something, and then all of a sudden, as soon as he got injured, just he never seemed to be the same guy. Now he's on, what, Team 5? I mean, he went from the Raiders, got traded to the Cardinals, got cut by the Cardinals, picked up with the Cowboys, ended up in Baltimore. He's in Baltimore. He's on his fourth team already. So that kind of tells you. And I think he went to Baltimore. I think he went to Baltimore, then Dallas, and back to Baltimore. So he might be on his fifth team. I don't know. It hasn't been very many years, I'll tell you that. So that's, that has to be addressed. But the defensive line has to be addressed as well. Max needs help. Interior and edge. You know, Chandler Jones is going to be there this upcoming year. He had four and a half sacks. I, I can't believe that all of a sudden he's going to turn into a 10-sack guy. Like, show me. Act like I'm from Missouri, right? The show me state. Act like I'm from there and just show me. Show me 10 sacks and I'll believe that you have 10 sacks. I think he has something to bring to the table. I do think he's a quality player. He just it's obviously at the end of his career. Yeah, he's a he, situational guy. At this point, he's got to play from the neck up a little more than like what he used to do, which was, oh, I'm going to physically overpower you. It's like, uh, you, you may not be able to do that anymore. So, I don't know. Dwight Freeney it. Throw <laughs> some moves. Right. Well, and that's the thing. If, if, if Chandler Jones could be a situational pass rusher, if they could find someone that they feel – like say they go with Tyree Wilson. Maybe they go with Tyree Wilson at their first pick, the, the edge rusher out of uh, Texas Tech. If they do, and then they say, hey, Chandler Jones, even though he has a high paycheck, could come in as a situational pass rusher, that might not be a bad idea. You, got, you keep guys fresh. You can, you, know, you can rotate Max out a little bit so he's fresher at the end of the, uh, of the game instead of, well, he played every single snap, right? I mean, so there's a lot of different things that, that Patrick Graham could do, but you've got, to, you've got to have the dogs, and they don't have the dogs, and especially on the defensive side of things. So the question that I have for you, what, or how, how, have you locked in yet on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? 
And then what positions, in your opinion, do they have to come out of the draft with? Again, mine, shut down corner, defensive tackle or edge help, and then potential quarterback of the future. Those are my three on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got a text. What is this from? The 505 or is it 925? 505. There we go. Philip Buchanan, failure. Man, he was a good player, though, at one time. You got to admit, he was a good – when he first came on the scene, Philip Buchanan was coming up with the ball. He was also a punt returner. Philip Buchanan was a nice little player. Man, I ain't going to lie. When I played football for the Fresno Pirates, and it was the last year I played football, and it was probably a failure, and I probably had no business being out there, I was number 31 for multiple reasons. I was 31 years old and had no business being out there with those young cats. And two, Philip Buchanan had number 31. <laughs> so it was no pressure, right? There was no pressure on that jersey number. Like, I didn't have a number 24, didn't have a number 21. Those are quality guys. I didn't want to be that guy. I said, what's a DB number that I like that's not, you know, that he's not the most proven guy? And I was like, oh, 31. Philip Buchanan. Cool. I'll rock that number. But then again, like I said, that was also my age. Uh, Jim from Yonkers says, yes, Florida quarterback, uh, Richardson, they have to come out with a cornerback and a defensive end. Uh, Garoppolo, Garoppolo did not replace D.C. He was the best. Wait, he was the best with what was left, and the contact has at one. What? Oh, and the contract. Okay, and the contract uh, has an out after one year. Thanks for a great show. Q&D, missed you on Friday. That's Jim from Yonkers. And so, yeah, uh, quarterback Anthony Richardson's getting a lot of love, man. He is really getting a lot of love right now. Uh, he's going to be in on Friday with the Raiders to have their uh, top 30 visit. Uh, they're actually hosting Kentucky quarterback Will Levis today with their top 30 visit for him. So uh, they're doing their due diligence at the very least with the quarterback. So I want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Uh, let's see, what else? We got a text from, it looks like the 669. Yep, 669-920 has a current vacancy at producer. Y'all should select Jared and Lindsey to battle it out in camp. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, they, some dudes slash dudettes. That's there an L go. for me. <laughs> hold on, Lindsay's like, hold on, let me respond to this real quick. On the board, there's no chance I win. You brought me in here just to learn how to work the phones today, Jared. Give yourself some credit. That's a good point. Yeah, um, what people didn't just see is me dropping a whiteboard multiple times <laughs> because the phone rang once. You only have two hands, sir. That's true. That's true. Well, let's go out to the phone lines while we figure out how to use them. 702-365-9200. My good friend Stove, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Stove. Hey, what's up, Q? How you doing? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I got to be honest with you, all right? I'm, I'm listening to every single podcast that my ears can get to. <laughs> right. Because just like you, I love the draft. I, I, I love it even if one day we actually pick 32nd. But I, 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 love, I love the draft. But I heard something this morning that quite honestly scared me to death, and, and that is that, that Paris Johnson, the, the, the uh, lineman from Ohio State, was versatile there as a right guard and a left tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and I love I'm, – I'm all in on Team Ziegler. I really am. And I love that he's looking for guys that can do more than one thing. But if we take an offensive lineman at seven, I, I, I might cry. I, I literally <laughs> might cry because I've talked myself into 35 different people there, and none of them are offensive linemen. You know, if we trade back from seven to, to 15 and get another one or something and we end up taking Skaransky or Johnson or, or whatever, which, whichever the lineman – I can live with that. It's, it's not that we don't need a lineman. But if we take a lineman at seven, <laughs> it, it just has no juice. 
and I understand if we end up becoming a, a successful team because we drafted a, a Pro Bowl lineman, that's awesome. That's great. But it just we need something to, like, as Raider fans, something to hold on to. And we could hold on. Tyree, we could hold on to. We could hold on to Witherspoon. We could hold on to, you know, maybe, 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 maybe Will Levis. But what I think where I think we're headed here is I really believe there's going to be a quarterback at three that that the front office can believe in. And I'm wondering, and I want to get your opinion on this, if it comes down to the three for seven and a one next year to draft a quarterback, which might be young, it might be Stroud, and it might be Richardson. One of those guys, by my simple math, will still be there at number three. Would you do that? Would you trade, in essence, two ones to get either Richardson, Stroud, or Bryce Young? Hey, great call, Stove. Appreciate it. It's always great to hear from you. And, yeah, the offensive alignment wouldn't be very sexy. And just a uh, kind of a spoiler alert, when we talked to Bruce Feldman coming up at 4 o'clock on his mock draft, he had Paris Johnson Jr. going to the Raiders at number seven. And for that many reasons, because he could play left tackle, he could also play the right tackle position. So, uh, again, not very sexy, right? But, I mean, it could end up being a, a really smart move. Uh, but for me, I think that a defensive dude would be the guy. If you're not going to pick a quarterback, that'd be the guy. Now, going to your point about the, the trade, if you feel like that that's your franchise guy and that's what you're giving up next year's one as well to get him, and it's Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young or, or Anthony Richardson, I really think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are, are one, too. I really do. I know I saw some reports today that Houston's not uh, really into, they're not really feeling any of these quarterbacks and that they might go with a defensive player, and they might, but I doubt it. Talked to John McClain about that at the, at the uh, owners' meetings. He was like, man, I don't know. Does uh, D'Amico Ryans have stupid written on his forehead? Does uh, um, you know? Does the, their GM have uh, Casario? Does he have stupid written on their forehead? He's like, I, I don't think so. He's like, now it could be done, but more likely than not. And we'll talk to John McClain tomorrow. They'll go with the quarterback as well. But if they fall in love with Richardson, I think that he's available at three, and I think Levitz is available at three. If one of those two guys they fall in love with, and they're talking to both of them this week, maybe they do go in that direction and go trade up to number three. Again, there's many reports, including Daniel Jeremiah and Jeremy Fowler, saying that the Raiders could trade up to number three. The question that I throw out there to you, uh, have you locked in who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection, whatever that is at number three, number 11, number seven, wherever they decide to pick. What positions do you think they have to come out with the out of the draft with? That's the other part of the question. Again, 707, uh, 702, excuse me, 365-9200, and also the com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Don't call us just yet because we have coming up next, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On the drive against A.G., puts it up, short, rebound, A.G. A.G. got the rebound. Here are the Aztecs, down one, four, three. Lamont Butler, Lamont Butler, pull-up jump shot. Good, 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 good. They're storming the court. They're storming the court. Who's going to the championship game? Not FAU. No, no, no. The San Diego State Aztecs are going to the NCAA championship game on Monday. How about them Aztecs? How about them boys? If there was any mistaken, the Aztecs are playing in the national championship tonight versus UConn. If there's any mistaken, if that shot went in, you heard, it's good. It's good. It's good. 
It's good. <laughs> so there you go. And look, I get the excitement, man. The Aztecs punched their tickets to the national championship game. And, of course, UConn did the same. Joining us now on the phone lines is an Aztec. That's Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ, who is in Houston right now. We always talk Raiders with Ed. But, Ed, how about those Aztecs, man? They punched their ticket to the national championship game. How big is this for San Diego State? The legendary voice of Ted Leitner uh, there on the uh, – the comeback, yes, the legendary voice. Um, this is huge, Q, because I I was able to cover them when they were dreadful and awful, and when Steve Fisher first got there, and he inherited a bunch of nice kids, uh, not many basketball players. And uh, if you saw them then, and you saw them now in terms of what they built the program into, you just wouldn't believe it. It's it's unbelievable that they could get this far, uh, given where they came from. And I know it's been two decades, but I'm telling you. Even two decades ago, if you said they're going to be in the national championship game, no one would have believed you. So um, it's huge for the city. I think if they win tonight, and it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, Connecticut's just a machine right now, so I do think it's going to be really tough. But let's just say they can pull it off somehow. It'll definitely be the greatest moment in the history of San Diego State or San Diego, San Diego sports. I mean, the Chargers got to the Super Bowl. I know the Padres have been to a couple World Series. But if they can win tonight, that's the greatest moment in the history of that city sports-wise. How big is San Diego State being in the national championship game? How big is that for the Mountain West and even maybe for their opportunity to say, hey, we belong in the Pac-12? Yeah, it's huge for the Mountain West because, you know, as you know, uh, they've gotten – look, I don't want to say a bad rap. Uh, They just haven't been good in March Madness uh, as a league. Um, And and that's kind of their own doing. Before San Diego State went on this run – they had lost 11 straight conference teams have lost 11 straight uh, NCAA games from the conference, and that's a lot. Usually you'll get a good matchup here or there, and you'll be able to at least win one of those. So I, I think San Diego State's run has already been great for the conference to show that they have a team there that can get this far. But if they would win, it would really kind of you know emphasize that the league is not as down as people think it is. And I don't think it is either. I mean, they've gotten four teams in the tournament the last two years, and if you're consistently getting four teams in – You've probably got a good league, you know, and again, mm-hmm. they haven't done their part other than San Diego State, but um, just getting this far, I think people will kind of maybe rethought what they, you know, viewed the Mountain West as. You know, you put out a piece on the RJ, and I thought it was very interesting about UNLV and what Coach Kevin Kruger would like to do with the program, and it's very similar to what San Diego State has done. With that being said, can he do that? Well, he's not going to get 24 years. <laughs> uh, True. So, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, and I talked to Tyler this morning about this. You know, if you're not selling that to your recruits, then why bother? I mean, Steve Fisher told his first recruiting class back in 99, we're here to win a national championship. And if you had known, like I said, how bad they were, people would have just laughed at that and said, how can you tell kids that? Well, what should you tell them? Right. We're here just to make the tournament. We're here to finish third in the Mountain West. We're here to finish, you know, win one game and go home. So I think Kevin's got the right idea that he, you know, I asked him the other night, I said, can you see yourself here? And he said, absolutely. You know, you get the right kids in the program. You start to build a culture. You need a lot of luck to get to the final four. I mean, you know, Connecticut is one of those teams that didn't have much luck yet because they just steamrolled everyone. But most of the times, you know, Florida Atlanta could have easily lost to Memphis in the first round. Right. You know, you always have one of those games along the way that you're like, boy, you kind of got fortunate. San Diego State got the, uh, the foul call against Creighton. So it takes a lot of luck. It takes being really good. And I do think Kevin believes he can do it. And he should believe he can do it or don't have the job. Right. I mean, you have to believe you can, you know, recruit the kind of kids that are good enough and that buy into your culture and what you're selling. 
So, you know, can he do it? You know, they've done it before. Now it's a completely different time than 1990 with recruiting and the portal and the NIL and all that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's on, I think he's got the right attitude. If he, if he if saw me the other night when I talked to him, he was sitting right behind me and I talked to him at halftime for a while. Um, he, you know, looked right at me and said, absolutely, we can do this. Ed Graney is our guest from ESPN Las Vegas and also the RJ here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions as it has to do with the Final Four that I did want to get you a couple thoughts on the Raiders. But, you know, you mentioned NIL. You mentioned the transfer portal. I've It's been blowing my mind. I mean, I've only been here since, what, July of 2021. It's been blowing my mind that Las Vegas and UNLV can't take advantage of the NIL more than they have. What, what has been the biggest hang-up? Well, they do have a they do have a group they do have a um, uh, a group that's trying to get nil money together, and I know the guy is in charge of it, and they're trying their best to do that. Um, but you, I mean, the cue the numbers you hear nowadays on what some of these transfers are getting are astronomical. Um, you're like, you know, I was hearing a coach the other night saying, "Well, that kid wants two fifty. Well, that kid wants three. You know, and 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 these numbers are like, you've got to be kidding me. So. I do know they're trying. They're trying their best to get as much, you know, uh, resources and funds as they can for the NIL, and, and it's just the reality of college basketball now. When you talk about the, you know, the, the top kids in the portal, as you go down in the portal, you know, you're going to have to come up with less and less for kids. But if you really want those top kids, the numbers, you know, you and I would just shake our heads at. You know, I mean, the, a lot of these numbers are keeping kids in school instead of going to the NBA. Right. Well, I'll tell you right now, if they need a 6'5 point guard, I know one, and he ain't going to cost that much. <laughs> I'm well, just saying. <laughs> Dad will be the agent. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, you can call me on the air. We can negotiate this and get it worked exactly. out real quick. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He's going to be the only player at UNLV with his own show. Hey, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. Yes. we can, Exactly. We can work it out, man, for the sake of the school, of course. Not you know, Nothing, nothing has to do with me. It's for the sake of the school. No, we for gonna... the sake of the university. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm just trying to look out for UNLV. I'm trying to play my part. So, Ed, tonight, uh, UConn, they're one of those programs. They're not a blue blood, blue blood, but they're one of those programs that once they get to this stage, they know how to finish. What is it going to take for San Diego State to knock them off tonight? It's going to take their best effort of the season. I saw UConn last week in Vegas, and they, like I said, they're a machine. they got four pros. Um, look, at any time in the last however many years, you're beating Gonzaga by 33. Right. At one point in a game, that's all you need to know. Nobody beats Gonzaga, you know, by that much, and and, and how they how uh, uh, UConn just toyed with them. So it's going to take San Diego State limiting possessions as they do, mucking it up, being really physical. That's a you know one thing Kevin said the other night about UNLV. They have to get much more physical. When you watch San Diego State, those are men, and I know Barkley has said that often on the broadcast. They're not you know they're not young men; they're men. Mm-hmm. So they have to take those guys and really be physical with UConn, but. You know, I think the number went from six to six and a half in a blink. I think it's a seven and a half. Maybe there's mates around town. I'm not so sure. So for a national championship game, if it is at eight, that's the biggest. Um, that's the biggest spread, I believe, in a title game since Duke, Connecticut in '99, which was nine and a half. So wow. that kind of tells you where the books thinks this is going to go. Um, you know what I, w- I really want to see, and I, obviously I want to say, say this is what I want to see. I want to see a close game with four minutes left to see how UConn responds because mm-hmm. they haven't had a close game. And they're supposed to win big. And no matter what those kids said yesterday at San Diego State, kids know. Kids know, you know that they're expected to win, that they're expected to win big. So it would be really interesting to me if, in fact, with four minutes to go, it's a four-point game one way or the other. 
and then we'll see how they respond. And I'm sure they respond. And like I said, they've got four pros. Right. So, you know, those guys are really good players, and, you know, I'm sure they'd make plays and, and whatnot. But San Diego State's going to have to play it. It's like Dutcher said yesterday. They're going to have to play their best game of the season how they play. You can't get caught up in transition with UConn. You can't get up playing their game or they're going to lose by 20. So if San Diego State plays the way it plays and it plays the best it's played all year, then, you know, maybe they got a shot. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm interested in it. I'm, I'm good, man. If it's like you said, you know, close with uh, four minutes left to go and just whoever the best team is after that four minutes, I'm all good with it, right? I don't have a dog yeah, in the fight when it comes to this game, uh, even though I think my dad put some money on uh, on UConn and I think it closed well, at seven and a half there. So there's that. He- Believe me, he wasn't the only one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas and RJ is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, I did want to ask you a couple questions Raiders related, and I know that you've been really focused in on March Madness, as you should, but the question I've thrown out there to Raider Nation today was, have you locked in on a player that, that you think that the Raiders should pick with their first selection? And then uh, the second part of that is, what do the Raiders need to come out of this draft with? Like, what positions do they need to make sure they address in this upcoming draft? So I'll ask you part two. What do well, you think the Raiders need to come out of this draft with? Two or three defensive starters. Um, I think you and I have talked about what they've done defensively so far. Uh, they've signed a lot of names. I don't know how many starters they've signed. I don't know how many of these guys are depth pieces. We're going to have to see when, when camp gets here, OTs and all that, to see where guys are. But I really think, and, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say they need two or three starters defensively out of a draft. Um, you know, you're, you're drafting really well if you get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, to me, is what they need to come out of the draft with. I'm not looking offensively, except maybe an offensive lineman. That, you know, they could always do with one of those. I just think that the need is so great defensively that they need to come out of this with a few defensive starters, um, whether it be on the line, whether it be in the secondary, linebacker. Anyone who can be, you know, be a difference maker defensively, I think, would, you know, would play well uh, on this team right now. Um, you know, and who they can zero in on, you know, each week the mocks are different. Um, you know, uh, I, let me ask you this because I, I haven't asked you and I have not talked about the kid from Georgia and, um, if it would be a good or bad look to do that. I personally think it's a bad look. Um, and I also personally think he's gone before them. So I don't know if that's even going to be an issue, but you know, what are your thoughts? Would you take him if he was there? Yeah, that's a good question. We've talked about that a few times. And one, I think he's gone to Seattle at five. I think that that just right. makes sense for them to go there. Uh, me personally, if it was me, and this is not obviously the Raiders organization, I wouldn't take him. I think it's a bad look for Jalen Carter. Um, I also have personal reasons why I think it's a bad look that I would just shy away from him. So for me, it would be a no-go. But we talked to Josh McDaniels at the owners' meetings last week, and he said – hey, we're evaluating everybody, and if we look into his past and everything is good and checks out, we'd be comfortable taking him. So I, yeah. that could be coach speak. That could be front office speak. I mean, why would you you put your cards out there anyway and say, hey, we're taking him off our board. He, our board. He's not good for us. Like, I, I wouldn't do that. Right. But I wouldn't no. take him at 70. That, that's just me, though. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't take him, and I agree with you about Josh McDaniels. Why would you? You don't put your cards out on anyone right now. Right. You say good things about everybody. Yep. You know, I mean, you, you don't. Everyone's great right now. If you're Josh McDaniels, you're asked about them because you don't want to, like you said, play your cards. But you know, this is an organization went through Henry Ruggs, and I, I think if it was anything else with him, I don't know, I might think differently. But I think it's. I, I just think it would be a really bad look um, if they went that way. But I'm with you. I think he's gone before them. I don't think he's. They're going to have to make that choice. Um, and I think they'll, you know, obviously then they'll go in a different direction. Right, exactly. So let me ask you this. With that being said, if they do go in a different direction at number seven or wherever they decide to pick with their first overall pick, 
Is there any quarterback that you're locked in at that you think, okay, he'd be a good addition for the Raiders? I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are probably already gone, so they don't really have an option at them. But is there anyone else that you've kind of narrowed down thinking they might be a good quarterback for the Raiders? I mean, the most intriguing part, obviously, is Richardson, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he's obviously the most intriguing one. And his upside is amazing, supposedly, and everything you hear about him. I was impressed that he was able to hit the roof on a pass uh, in the in the practice. That's an incompletion, that's Ed. That's an incompletion. It's, it's an incompletion, <laughs> but if you can hit a roof, usually you're you know you've got a good arm. Um, I don't know how many you know, guys have done that, but yeah, I mean, I, he's interesting to me. Now he 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 would be a guy who'd have to learn under Jimmy G, and then it goes back to can Jimmy G stay healthy, you know, and if he can stay healthy and mentor the kid, and I think Jimmy G would. That's what they talk about. Uh, Garoppolo, that he is very open to doing things like that. Maybe him. Um, if not, I haven't I haven't fallen in love with any of the other guys to where I'd say take him at seven. Maybe get your guy in the second round if there's a guy out there and a quarterback that you like, uh, and then he can play behind Jimmy G. But if it's not one of the top two Q, I think they have so many issues elsewhere. I'd probably look at defense or you know maybe the Northwestern kid on the offensive line or someone like that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I don't think if, if they don't get one of the top two quarterbacks, I think the best idea would go with the, the best defensive player because they need studs all over the field. They just they have a lack of talent. I mean, it's just reality of it. They have a lack of talent. So if the de- draft is deep in defensive players, go get them, right? Load up on as many defensive guys as you can get. Well, good stuff, Ed. It's always great to catch up with you, man. What do you got working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Uh, just uh... – Cover the game tonight and then get home and have a big piece on uh, Doug Brumfield. Uh, the Rebels have their spring showcase uh, for football on Saturday, so we're going to have a big piece on Doug Brumfield, the quarterback in the paper, to kind of get people fired up for the end of spring ball. There you go. Well, uh, the Raiders, the Raiders, the uh, the Rebels, they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, Coach Odom's got a lot of work to do, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's a new era of uh, UNLV football, and we'll see what the Raiders do in the upcoming draft. Well, Ed, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Be safe on your travels home, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Thanks for everything. Absolutely. Thank you. Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, and the RJ joining us there uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and definitely appreciate his efforts as always. So, Raider Nation, I'll throw it back out there to you again Have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selections and what positions do you feel they need to come out of the draft with? My picks, shutdown corner, defensive tackle or edge help, and potential quarterback of the future, not necessarily in that order. Let us know about it. 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q, happy National Championship Monday. I have to say, I've been consistently saying we should draft the offensive line kid from Northwestern, but now I'm high on cornerback Gonzalez from Oregon. The kid looks like he could be the real deal if he's available at 7. In fact, I think we stay at 7 and don't trade this pick. I hope we use the majority of our 12 picks on defense. It's no secret, Q. We need to load up in the, load up in the secondary, linebacking, and on the offensive line. I believe in uh, and on the defensive line, so everywhere. I believe in Ziegler and company. San Diego State wins tonight, 65-61. Lock it up, Q. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And it's funny that you mention uh, Christian Gonzalez because Jordan Reed, Matt Miller and Jordan Reed, they had a, a pre-draft conference call on Friday that I was a part of since I didn't do a show, was part of this really good conference call. And Jordan Reed actually mocked Christian Gonzalez, number seven. And so my question to him was, well, why did you put Christian Gonzalez there instead of Devin, De- Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois? 
Yeah, I'll go first. Um, just addressing the Gonzalez over Witherspoon. Uh, I mean, there's mixed opinions as far as who the top guy is on teams' boards. Some teams like Witherspoon, some teams like Gonzalez. But I think the big difference between both of them is just the size. Witherspoon is smaller than Gonzalez. Witherspoon right at six foot, 181 pounds, which is what he came in at at the combine. And then Gonzalez, six foot two, 200 pounds. So he's much bigger. But as far as the instincts, I think instinctually Witherspoon is ahead of Gonzalez. But um, I think Witherspoon is the better overall football player. If we're just strictly talking about corner, the cornerback position, he's much more physical than Gonzalez, too. So I think when it comes down to it, uh, I have Gonzalez rated a little bit higher just from a size perspective. And then also Witherspoon is not healthy right now either. He's battling the hamstring injury, so we don't have any testing numbers, which I think is going to hurt him a little bit with some teams. I think he has his pro day here coming up soon in the next week or so. So we'll see how he does end up testing. But there's a lot of pros and cons for both of those guys, but I just feel more comfortable taking Gonzalez right now just because of what we've seen on tape and then also throughout the pre-draft process. Cornerback one and cornerback 1A as far as I'm concerned, but Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I think both of those guys are good, really good. As a matter of fact, uh, what Jordan Reed had to say about uh, you know, Gonzalez having a little bit more height, that's fine. But Witherspoon plays just a little bit nastier. What I mean by that, just a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage, gets up in your face. Seems like a guy that, well, both guys seem like they would fit really well with what Patrick Graham wants to do. To me, for my money, it feels like Witherspoon would be the pick there, but he picked Christian Gonzalez. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our good friend Raider Mark and Henderson. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Just kidding. <laughs> As... Jared laughs. Lindsay laughs. Jared lost. Raider that was not a laugh on my part. That was a face palm. Oh, man. Well, it's only day one. It's only day one. You know, there's been a time where Ari's hung up on callers, and we have to get them back. Raider Mark and Henderson, really good friend of the show. You know, we'll have to get them back. We apologize, my man. Jared did that to you. <laughs> but don't worry. We'll open up the phone lines again. Coming up next, though, Nathan Cooper, SIS. He's got his own mock draft, and they have a little bit different little formula that they put together. We'll talk to him about it and where he thinks the Raiders will go at number seven and what they do with the rest of the draft. It's all coming up as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920.